Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. We're a country of a little more than 35 million people, as we know. How about making that 100 million? A new report indicates that we have to build a much, much larger population this century, much, much faster, to enhance Canada's quality of life. The Century Initiative, a group of academics and business leaders, has identified this goal as essential to our well-being in the generations to come. My guest is Jasmine Gill. She's the Director of Policy and Initiatives with the organization. She joins me now. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, normally, uh, you start with a question like, why, why do we need to do this? Uh, but I'm going to start with a slightly different one. What happens if we don't do this? Well, that's a, that's a great question. It's, it's the very reason why Century Initiative uh, came together around, around the mandate of growing our population to 100 million Canadians by 2100. We were taking a look at long-term demographic trends uh, in Canada, and a few things are fairly clear uh, today. One, our population is aging. Uh, currently, about 17% of the Canadian population is over 65 years of age. By um, 2025, that'll rise to um, approximately 23 to 25%. Sorry, that's 2036. By 2061, around 28%. So the share of our senior population is growing. And at the very same time, our fertility rate is declining. It's at 1.54 today. That's well below the replacement level of 2.1. So what does this mean? It means that economic growth will become constrained as our labor market uh, decreases in size with the retirements of the baby boom generation. And it won't grow naturally to the same scale as it has uh, over decades past. Immigration is becoming an increasing um, uh, uh, portion of population growth in Canada. Currently today, it's about 70% of population growth. By the 2030s, it'll be 100%. So in that picture, uh, we're looking ahead to Canada's long-term prosperity and what it will take to ensure that the prosperity, the social services, the Canada that we know and value today will continue uh, to prosper for decades to come, for generations to come. So if if we're not doing anything particularly different, if we're not digressing from what has been happening, does that necessarily mean... um, a diminishing of our quality of life in the years to come? It does. It does. Because of that, because of the fact that our population is aging um, and our labor force is is uh, shrinking as a result, unless we proactively increase uh, people of working age in this country, uh, we won't have the fiscal base or the, uh, the working population to support rising health care and old age spending costs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the picture of Canada in 2100, assuming the status quo, is frankly bleak. It's, it's GDP growth at half the rates that we've known over the last 50 years. It's, it's, uh, it's a Canada with a, a, a lesser um, labor pool of, ta- of talent. Um, and it's, it's one that's not able to afford those social services that we so value today. Yeah. I want to go through the recommendations of the initiative in this case. There are 10 of them, and uh, we, I think we'll have to skip through them a little quickly. But let's look at them. Of course, the one that I think people would point to right away is is just the degree to which we want to ensure that we're welcoming uh, immigrants to this country. At the moment, we're looking at about 350,000 
uh, that would be coming to this country in, say, 2021. The number that you're looking at isn't really all that uh, different from that. It's 400,000. Uh, is is that the kind of trajectory that we're looking at in order to get ourselves on this path? Is about 400,000 a year, about you know, about 450 or so thousand permanent residents, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a gradual uh, increase in this? Or, or does there have to be a little bit of a, a jolt to the system? Well, I think looking down the road to, to 2100 and suggesting that our population be triple the size um, that it is today, um, or 100 million Canadians by 2100, does provide that jolt factor. But the path to getting there is exactly as you say, it's gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incremental over time so that it can be sustainable and manageable. So uh, I think that's what's sometimes lost when we think only of the end goal of 100 million by 2100 is that it really is a journey of, of small steps to, go, to getting there. And it's important that we start today so that we can take that more gradual yet proactive approach to growing our population. One of the reasons people may not have, um, have children um, in our larger families is that they really don't have the kind of support system that exists uh, in some other countries around early childhood. What is it that we have to do as a country and, and how quickly? Well, we would recommend definitely starting today, but not even needing to look so far afield. Um, Quebec has a program, it has a portfolio of policies that enable families to have families of the size that they choose. Um, They offer financial subsidies, low-cost daycare, legislative parental leave, a real portfolio of programs that over the course from its inception in, in the late 1990s to 2010, it really did provide a boost to the fertility rate uh, provincially from 1.35% to 1.7%. At the same time, Quebec's female employment rate had also increased by 3.8%, and that contributed uh, enough to GDP growth that that effectively covered the cost of those fertility programs. So one thing that we are looking at is whether or not that sort of program could be modeled across the provinces and territories of Canada and enable families to have as many children as they would like, which some polls suggest is uh, is approximately two points four, I believe. So mm-hmm. up from the uh, current uh, fertility rate of one point five four, but but those that sort of uh, umbrella type of programming would allow for families to afford uh, the number of children that they desire, and it yeah. would also enable women to go to work while having families. Yeah, you need almost uh, one more child a family kind of thing. Um, of course, it's, it, it, you can have all these people, but if you don't have prosperity along with it, uh, it doesn't. It's not going to make a lot of economic sense. Uh, one of the recommendations here is that we we need to take a look at how it is that we are essentially bringing a labor force along. Where are the biggest pain points here? Is it is it with the the underrepresented groups, or is it with maximizing those that are already in the force? Well, the report endeavors to take a step back on population growth and take a bird's eye view, so to speak, and look at exactly what's needed across various policy dimensions. So um, recommendation, the third recommendation in the report is about leveraging that underrepresented talented talent that exists in Canada. So groups that are currently marginalized from our economy, Indigenous peoples, seniors, uh, women, um, people with disabilities, improving their access to employment and to uh, participation in our economy will absolutely go a long way towards our goal. But 
at the end of the day, the numbers show that it's simply not enough. Canada has a real need for more people uh, on top of being able to leverage the talents of those who are already here. Yeah. So it's, it's a big picture story. It's about looking not only at uh, improving access to economic opportunities for Canadians who are currently here, but ensuring that we are growing to the scale needed to ensure that prosperity uh, continues. And at the same time, looking at education, employment, infrastructure, uh, and early childhood support, as we discussed, as, as very much integral to a successful population growth story. The 10 recommendations in the report work uh, quite well together, but I want to take a look at three that I, that, and then try to get a couple of questions specifically around them. And, and they have to do with the fact that we have a, a kind of a thin ribbon of population near our border, uh, in, you know, situated mainly in cities, when you take a look at the, at the numbers, uh, with, you know, with quite close to the United States, of course. Uh, and yet, you know, it, it creates some infrastructure issues for us around transportation, um, around our communications, um, and and it also means that we have, you know, we have a lot of people moving into our cities and not, for instance, into the north. So the Century Initiative proposes three uh, recommendations around this, around infrastructure, around density in in, uh, in the, the cities that are already and the regions that are already uh, well populated at the point at this point, and then uh, expanding into the near and, and far north. How how do you get these things done, generally speaking? Well, our work as an organization is really threefold. What we do is we look to building uh, the research base, the ideas base around each of these recommendations by convening Canadians across the country to inform our perspectives. Um, and so that's actually the second pillar of our work is to convene um, groups, individuals, experts to discuss these issues in more depth and to contribute to that research base with a view of the third aspect of our activities, which is to advance long-term policy solutions that incorporate scale um, into the picture. So how are we going to do this? By, by convening those discussions, by having difficult, open, honest conversations about what this means to Canada nationally, but also regionally and how that differs across, across the country. One of the concerns about the North would be that somehow we're going to turn our back on um, a lot of the um, rather sophisticated and sustainable development that's that's being attempted there now, uh, and that we would somehow be uh, you know be prepared to have unregulated development and all of that. Do we do we need to do that in order to get the population of the North growing? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it should become a free for all of, of any kind. This is um, about proceeding carefully and not turning our back on what might be working or could work potentially in the long run, but but looking critically at that, what would it take to address the climate change, the housing, the food, the poverty, all of the current realities uh, of today's North um, very much have to be uh, addressed and incorporated into a long-term plan to allow for population growth uh, and to enable people to find opportunities in, in our North. We're at the very outset of that thinking and that uh, and that discussion, and it's being had across uh, a number of uh, organizations. For us, a century initiative, what we want to do is bring those various uh, voices together um, to build a, a, a more coher- coherent and collaborative plan. 
Two of them, uh, two of the recommendations, again, have to do with, uh, with knowledge and with our skill set. Uh, they have to do with, of course, our education system and then uh, and trying to attract talent from outside in order to deal with, uh, with more modern needs. Um, what's your assessment about the gap that we have right now in terms of what we're doing and what we need? Well, um, we are a leader in uh, attracting students to our educational institution. Canada does quite well in terms of international student numbers, um, uh, comparatively speaking, today. But there's no guarantee that that will continue as our um, economic prospects dim unless we uh, proactively grow our population. There's no guarantee that Canada will continue to be a leading destination for uh, not only international students, but for all immigrants. So um, that's also reflected in our retention numbers. So although we are quite um, good at uh, attracting international students to, to our educational institutions, we're not as good at retaining them here and providing the opportunities that they would need and the ease um, of a pathway to permanent residency that will allow them to stay and build their lives. Uh, and build their families here in Canada. So there is a lot of work to be done, and it's important not to be complacent um, uh, just by virtue of the fact that currently today, Canada might, may be seen as, as a leading destination. We're seen as a leading uh, destination, but in, an awful lot of the criticism uh, of, of our country has to do with the degree of its innovation. That uh, that largely, you know, our innovators find themselves very quickly being moved off to other countries that uh, that reward them more. Uh, first of all, what kind of barriers do we need to reduce and remove here? And then, how do we retain all that that intellectual property, that uh, that entrepreneurship? I think one way of looking at it, if uh, if you take a look at the report, uh, the the recommendation that we have around. Um, building greater densities, recommendation five in the report in mega regions, that's not only to um, encourage um, coordinated economic development strategies, it's also to build innovation clusters. Um, it's something that, that uh, works quite well in terms of fostering uh, innovation and economic growth. Um, and then in terms of population growth, really the, the reason why uh, Century Initiative is um, quite firm on our need for a scaled-up population is exactly for that, to build the economies of scale and to build the innovation clusters that would improve productivity um, for, for the economy. Uh, one thing that comes really clear through the report, and it's actually the 10th recommendation, and this has to do with, um, with educating Canadians about the economic case for immigration. Um, it's, a, it's a frustrating area. Uh, and and uh, and you know we came through a federal election recently where uh, we didn't really get terribly deep into that, but you can certainly see uh, the seeds of um, of of kind of uh, lack of education uh, below the border right now as it begins to as it has a, a much more polarized debate on this. How worried are are you about um, about our you know our our degree of sophistication about this case, and and our you know our willingness to kind of come to grips to it with it. I am worried, uh, to be honest. Um, I know that there is general, generally, strong public support across Canada for for immigration, and that anti-immigrant populist uh, sort of sentiment doesn't really fly politically uh, here in the way 
that it does in many other countries around the world. And that's something uh, to be proud of. Um, it's also built upon Canada's uh, strong immigration system and our track record in successful integration of immig immigrants across our country's history. But at the same time, there is absolutely um, uh, it, a troubling sentiment around what it means to accept uh, more people, particularly those of other backgrounds, how that could shift uh, majority cultures in various parts of the country. We hear about it quite often, being being a group that is uh, pro-growth, pro-immigration. And and it, and it is worrisome. I, I, I think uh, I think there's no guarantee that 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 sort of sentiment won't grow, particularly if we don't treat population growth as a uh, big picture story of uh, fostering employment opportunities for all Canadians, not only newcomers but those who are here already. Educational opportunities, ensuring that we have the infrastructures to accommodate a population at scale. Um, and, and those early childhood supports. It really is about looking at population growth from all of these various dimensions and ensuring that they are addressed in order to ensure that that public sentiment, that public support that we, that we are so lucky to have uh, here today continues. Mm. Uh, this is obviously a role that media can, can pr help perform, uh, but just in our daily lives, what is it, you think that our that behaviorally almost has to shift here, in order for us to to understand this. I think I think we need to come together more often. Uh, at the risk of sounding um, overly simplistic, what I've seen work. We recently partnered um, with an organization in New Brunswick, New Brunswick being a province that is suffering the blunt impacts of an aging population. Yeah. Uh, more deeply and more swiftly than any other province that uh, or territory in this country. Uh, they, the New Brunswick Multicultural Council arranged uh, for a town hall tour of smaller, more remote communities uh, of residents uh, who don't ordinarily have as much contact um, with newcomer populations as our more urban populations do. Mm -hmm. um, and it was simply a matter of coming together and sharing. Uh, they had economists share the demographic and labor market. Uh, projections for the area, um, what that meant in concrete terms on a, on a fact basis uh, in, in terms of the uh, community's growth potential, um, as well as simple stories of the struggles and the challenges of not only newcomers in integrating into those communities, but also employers and longtime residents mm -hmm. in, in fostering that integration. And, and, and that was really what it took um, to to start the process of collaborative, cooperative, um, uh, long-term uh, action plan planning uh, for mm -hmm. those communities, and it and it really worked. It's a, it's an initiative called New Conversations. It's been widely touted as a success uh, across the country in immigration circles. So it's one that we should look at uh, and undertake uh, around the country for sure. So the the dialogue is not simply uh, that of chronicling the challenges of those coming to this country, but also some of the challenges of those who are already here in, in essentially uh, finding ways to integrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every voice needs to be heard, and, and those uh, uh, cooperative solutions could be forged together. Um, yeah. There was good sounding idealistic. That's very much what occurred in these conversations in New Brunswick. 
And I'm very hopeful that uh, that that sort of dialogue, that open, honest, um, fearless dialogue will co- will continue uh, amongst all Canadians, whether it's in a town hall format or um, on a subway or uh, in everyday conversation. Uh, it's important that we that we share our own perspectives and, and come to understand what's at stake for all of us. Last point, and this um, wasn't directly involved in the report, although I, I could pick up threads of it. Obviously, um, you know, the, the issue of this generation and the generation to come will, will likely be climate change. Uh, when you're taking a look at pretty well tripling population uh, over the next 80 years, how does that uh, either mesh with or have a tension with uh, what it is that we're trying to achieve around our climate change goals as a country? Well, underpopulation harms Canada's ecological future in a variety of ways. Um, We simply won't have the critical fiscal and human resources that we need to build environmentally sound, energy-efficient, resilient infrastructure that will protect against climate change unless we grow our population. And as mentioned, the fact of our aging population uh, is going to place increasing pressure on government budgets, uh, provincially and federally, to fund uh, social services, health care, old age spending, et cetera. And that, those costs will increasingly crowd out the funds needed to meet our global commitments um, to reduce carbon emissions and to protect uh, the country um, against climate change. And so uh, I think uh, I think it's, it's very important uh, to consider that and to see population growth not as at odds with that, with ensuring environmental sustainability uh, over the course of time, but very much complementary to it and necessary uh, in order in order for us to not only afford um, to be able to undertake more environmentally friendly, uh, um, ways uh, of building infrastructure, but but also to ensure that we have the ideas, the skills, the talents needed to build those solutions here in Canada. Um, it's a very interesting report, and I'll give you a 15-second commercial on how people can find it online. Right on our website, www.centuryinitiative.ca. We featured it on our homepage. We have a, a separate page uh, for reports, with where we'll, which we will continue building with uh, discrete uh, reports on certain topics that are covered um, by this overarching centerpiece document, which is called For a Bigger, Bolder Canada. I, I think that was almost 15 seconds exactly, Jasmine. Thanks a lot for your time today. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time today. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Jasmine Gill is the Director of Policy and Initiatives with the Century Initiative. You've been listening to BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening.